Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be, and welcome to a very special extra interview of Final Cut. Today I'm joined by a man who made his theatre debut opposite F. Murray Abraham. He was thrown in at the deep end, basically, if those, those of you who don't know who F. Murray Abraham is, and he's here to tell the tale. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tim Perez. Well, thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honour and a pleasure to be here. Sir, the honour is all mine. So, the inevitable first question is, how did you get started out in acting? Gosh, I, well, I've always wanted to be an actor since the age of nine. And so uh, that's kind of an interesting thing to have. Like, I, I decided and I knew what I wanted to do. And so um, I started doing uh, plays in school. And, you know, from that, uh, I started doing um, pantomime. And um, back in the 70s, uh, pantomime wasn't considered like you know, a bad thing. And like 15 years old, and my yeah. mind partner was 60, she was 65, and her name was Bertha Chang. And we would like perform on street corners and, uh, you know, conventions and whatnot. And so I had like a little troupe. And so I, doing that, you kind of, you know, doing that on the street, you kind of teach yourself you know, what works and what doesn't in front of an audience. And when they're throwing tomatoes at you, you know, you know, you got to speed it up a little bit and you got to make it a little more interesting and you got to have a little more conflict. And, and from that, I just started, you know, getting into plays and, you know, uh, going to San Francisco State, studying drama. Then I got into NYU to the graduate acting program. And that was just crazy hard. Um, that was like the hardest thing I ever did. I lost, I lost my hair in that school. It was so... It was so much pressure. And so it's been a really long journey. So from nine to now, it's, you know, that's all I really ever wanted to do, so. Now, I do ask this every time. Everyone has influences. I mean, in the past, James Cameron was a big influence of mine. Tony Scott was, bless his heart, and his brother Ridley, I did actually, I still watch Gladiator to this day, but obviously, Nowadays, my influences are sort of influenced by Chris Nolan and his brother Jonathan, and Tom Hardy is probably the best actor that is out there at the minute. So for you... Yeah, I, lo I love him. I love Tom Hardy. Yeah, I really do. For you, though, who are your influences growing up and who are your influences now? Well, gosh, I'm an old guy. I'm an older guy. So my influences generally tend to be like when you're 10 years old and you've got the black and white television on and you're seeing these guys. And so I liked... I liked, uh, well, it, it just goes. It goes from like Marlon Brando, Kirk Douglas, James Dean, Montgomery Cliff. I like uh, Spencer Tracy. Um, and that's that era. And then it goes to the 60s where I like Warren Beatty, Al Pacino, De Niro. Mm -hmm. uh, who else? Um, John Voight was good back in the day. And, you know, now, of course, you know, I like Tom Hardy a lot. Yeah. And, and there's a few guys that I follow that I like that I enjoy watching. Sometimes I can't remember their names because names are just so hard these days. But but I do enjoy, you know, the young actors seeing what they come up with. And, um, you know, so I'm generally I, I do like to watch a lot of stuff. 
And uh, but uh, I, yeah, I've been influenced by a lot of a lot of actors. Generally, a lot of actors. I love just watching a good actor. It's like I don't know. It's it's I, I just can't explain it. You know, um, it's just like magic watching good acting, and I just get kind of taken away with their story. So sometimes. And it just drives me crazy because I just try to figure out like a scientist, what, how are they doing what they do? And the good ones, you, you really can't figure it out, you know, um, but kind of everybody else, you can kind of see the machinery working. Yeah. But, uh, but the great ones, it's really, it's just wonderful. It's like watching a magician, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yep. Some, some produce magic tricks that are remembered and some just produce magic that is instantly, instantly forgettable. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Well, I got to tell you, I, I do love even the forgettable moments. Some of the some of the best things I like to watch is like really really old clunky movies where you know I see the men in the rubber suit and you know the the, the string on the rocket, and um, I, I I I enjoy those too. So so you can also get a lot out of like like wonderful uh, fiascos, you know, and that's and that's entertaining also. So it just kind of runs the spectrum of like what kind of mood you're in to, to what you want to watch and or what you want to rewatch. Many movies I watch over and over and over and over again, you know, because they're, they're kind of great teachers, you know, and like a great book, kind of like if you're feeling anxiety or if you're feeling, you know, something in your life is like, you know, not up to speed, go back to an old film and that will kind of put you in a place where you kind of, you know, you find your direction again and you find your meaning and, you know, and um, you get your get up and go, you know, so so watching movies to me is kind of like an inspiring kind of thing that I, I want it to change my life. And so that's kind of my bar when I watch a movie. So <laughs> so I'm always disappointed a lot. But when one does, it like just kills me. Good kills me. And, uh, and I just, you know, I just I just I just love it. Yeah. It's my surprise you have actually watched Laurel and Hardy, and I actually think they're better than a lot of Canadian, uh, not Canadians, a lot of comedians, sorry, that are actually around today. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't get me started. Yeah, I know. Uh, my One of my first auditions I ever had was auditioning for this Laurel and Hardy sitcom that came on about maybe 30 years ago. And the audition was I had to have a partner. And so I got my best friend, who's, whose name is Peter Pell. He's a very uh, kind of famous New York City actor that's been around for years. Yeah. And I said, hey, Pete, you know, um, I'm doing this audition, Laurel and Hardy, and I want you to play, you know, Oliver Hardy. And Pete's heavier than I am. And so, Pete, you know, we play it and we go in and we just tear the room to shreds. And of course, Pete, Pete gets, you know, Pete gets the call back and they fly him out to Los Angeles. <laughs> And then Pete, you know, just starts going crazy and booking everything and the rest is history. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of a funny story about Lauren Hardy. But I do watch a lot of Lauren Hardy also. Yeah, I do. You know, in order to, for Lauren Hardy are great for working out gags and just sort of the mechanics of how to build, how to build a scene. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they're great teachers. You know, they're great teachers. So basically what we're saying between the two of us is if anyone wants to learn how to do comedy, just watch Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, and you can even go further back than that if you can, you know, to, to even older stuff than that to figure out like how guys did stuff and how they worked their stuff out and how they put their bits together, you know, and it's kind of a science, you know, and there was, it's a real specialized science 
And um, like you go back to Chaplin and you see the early Chaplin and you see, you know, he would spend, he would spend like three months on one gag, you know, which is insane. It's like, that's like, you know, that's like three minutes of film or two minutes and he would spend three months on it, you know? So that's like, you know, that's like an Olympic athlete training for like 100, 100 meter race, you know, and he, he would have the time to do that. And so when you see his movies, you see a guy and you see stuff that he's worked on for just, you know, it, it, and it's flawless. And, and yeah, I consider Chaplin probably like the best actor ever. Yeah. You know, yeah. Even, take- even, Brand, even Brando says that. Even Brando says that's his favorite actor, his favorite actor. A lot of people so would argue with Marlon Brando, but I just—I think a lot of people would argue with him. But then after him saying that Chap- Chaplin is the best actor going on for so long, they just think, "Oh, you know what? I give up." We'll just admit he's the best actor and just be with Brando. That's probably what you know. They—they actually—they actually worked together. They actually did a film mm-hmm. together, and 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 Brando had a hard time because he was so he was so blown away by him. And also Chaplin wanted to play all the roles when he directed. So usually, you know, you want your director to just kind of like, you know, stay out of the way yep. and say that's good or that's bad, you know, go faster or go slower, you know, and, and Chaplin would act out all the roles. And so Brando is like, you know, this is crazy. He's, he's actually like, usually you get a line reading from the director of like, you know, how to say a line, but Chaplin would act out all the physical movements. He would act out the whole scene. And so you would have to do it like, yeah. And, you know, when, what can you say, you know, when it's Chaplin doing that, you know? Um, yeah. So I thought that was a funny story. I thought that was a funny story. I like to read a lot of uh, stories about actors and, you know, their work or directors and, and how they were. Yeah, that was, that's kind of fun stuff. So you're a fan of Chaplin? I don't mind a bit of Chaplin. To be honest with you, I've never really seen a lot of Charlie Chaplin, but I have seen a fair bit of Lowell and Hardy and... Uh, as far as those two go, I would pick Lola and Hardy until I actually watched a bit of Charlie Chaplin, and then I would decide which one I think the best. Can't have an opinion on something you know nothing about, so. Now, you have been acting since 1986, so congratulations for having a career that that long how has your career been for you um it's been it's been both wonderful and and terrible and i i think that's pretty much i think pretty much when you act no matter who you are i think that's pretty much the game and going in you really can't comprehend how difficult it is you know you just have to like go through it and, and I think going through it, and if you stay with it for long enough, I think, I don't know, I don't know. It's like, you go through many lives and like every seven years you have to shed skin and become like another person or something, you know, because it's, it, it, it's so difficult. There's a lot of rejection, and, but when you work and, you know, certainly when you're celebrated and stuff, that's very nice but that doesn't come too often. And for me, I'm like, I'm a journeyman actor. So I'm not like a star or anything. And um, so it's, it's very difficult. So you spend your time basically looking for work all the time. So anybody who's ever done that, that's kind of what an actor's life is. It's like, as soon as the job's over, no matter how big, 
you got to look for another gig. And, you know, and it's, you know, so, so a lot of what, a lot of what, uh, what a lot of actors do is they try to create their own work. They try to write, they try to just stay creative. They try to create some kind of balance when they're not working. And that's kind of what you have to do. But in the beginning, you don't do that. And so you kind of have to learn how to survive, you know, and there is no mentor. There is no someone who kind of tells you how Oh, Tim, I've lost you again. A lot of difficulty with this audio. Now, I have actually done a bit of research on this, and your family history is actually quite impressive. So. I'm just going to go down what I've actually found on IMDb, and uh, all I need to do, all I need you to do, is just say whether it's true or not. Is your father actually an associate dean of student affairs at Fresno State University? Yeah, he was. He's retired now. He's yeah. 90, 92. Yeah, he was. He was the first Latino administrator, I think, hired in the California State College system. So he was kind of a trailblazer. Yeah, and your mother actually has a PhD. Yes, she really does. She had seven and, children. She was seven. She had seven kids and decided to get her PhD at 42 at Stanford University. And uh, so for three years, she was at Stanford and we kind of all were off and on with her, you know. So when your mom gets a PhD, you kind of get it with her. In other words, yeah. you're just with her all the time. And so it's it's kind of an enormous thing with what it is, you know. So I would never do it. Yeah. Um, and so for people who do it, you know, it's, it really is hard and off the charts. And like, it's like a rite of passage to another <laughs> level of existence, yeah. you know. So, so when you see your mum, do you call a doctor? Well, my mom passed away. Oh, uh, sorry, mate. So, uh, yes, people did call her doctor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, people did call her doctor. I, you know, I just called her mom and, um, she she lived an amazing life she was a she was a teacher yeah um, and you know she taught she taught she taught uh, teachers how to teach young children and that was her thing and uh, she got ALS Lou Gehrig's disease and she had it for about god 15 years and so finally about two years ago she passed away but it was it's pretty awful ALS is just you know just awful um and, um, but she lived an amazing life and she was, you know, a hero going out and how she lived. And so she's kind of my hero. And so yeah. it's kind of hard to, you know, to, to live up to her standards and what she did and the paths she blazed for others. You know, she, she was kind of, she was a civil rights activist in the sixties and seventies. And, you know, she was, she was a fighter and she fought all the way to the end to the bitter end with ALS. Yeah, it's, um, it's like probably one of the worst things you could get. Yeah, and my, yeah. mother was so, my mother was so kind and my mother was so good, you know, and like you wonder like, how could this happen, you know, to our family, you know, but it just, it just does. And there's just no explanation. You know, we all, my, my mother used to ride horses and one time she fell off a horse and hit her head. And so we were always like, oh my God, that must've been it. You know, when she yeah. hit her head, that's how she got it, but who knows? You know, it's, I don't think it's a genetic thing, but- um, Just something that yeah. happened. 
Yeah. And so while she was sick, my dad has Alzheimer's. Oh, God. Like, and so it was like it was like crazy in stereo, you know, at home and um, just sort of uh, handling all the you know, they lived at home. They didn't live in nursing homes or anything. And so they had, you know, they had 24 hour uh, assistance. And so just managing all those people is a lot. And just healthcare in general in California is difficult. And um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was a battle. It was a battle. Yeah. That you will lose. Eventually. Every, there's only two things guaranteed in life. We, we're born and we die. That's the only two guarantees. Everything else is just a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. What I actually did impress me with your family, so obviously this has been done by hard work, not handouts. Your family's produced two lawyers. Obviously, your mother, your mum was a doctor, and a scholar in Aztec literature. Yeah, yeah, my sister. Quite the brainy, quite the brainy bunch you have. I don't know, man. I really don't know. We didn't see that brainy growing up. We were just kind of goofy kids, you know. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, people just started like, I don't know. I don't even remember going to school when I was when I was a kid. My mom was always in school, so yeah, I was kind of on my own, you know. So I guess my sisters and brothers got good grades, but I certainly didn't, you know. But yeah, my sisters and brothers are pretty, pretty bright, and you, you, I don't know. They just became these, you know, these accomplished people, hmm. and um, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's a it's an interesting family very powerful family i have five sisters each one of them is like very very powerful and my little brother is is powerful too but you know my sisters are very very unique and spirited and vital and passionate women <laughs> definitely all women are yeah um, growing, growing up with five sisters is quite something yeah. By the way, I'm going to need the uh, numbers of the two lawyers because once uh, me and my co-host hit the big time, we're going to need some lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll help you out. Oh, bless you, mate. Uh, now, obviously, you yourself have had so many, so many awards. You've been championing so much, been in so much. You've been outstanding in just about everything. I mean, I've actually this is what actually what impressed me. Um, you were accepted by audition at New York City Tisch School of the Arts. Apologies if I've butchered that. You were actually one of only 18 candidates selected and you graduated with a Master of Fine Arts in acting in 86. So so yeah. technically you are a bit you are a bit brainy. No, no, that's a that's a mistake. It was a mistake me getting in. <laughs> and I think I scored the lowest score. I think there's these aptitude tests that you take to get in. And I probably scored the lowest on the aptitude test. I was the lowest score in the SAT. And so I'm really not brainy at all. I, I, however, when I was a young child, I read everything like that was written on a page. And so I think because I read a lot as a little kid, I think that's helped a lot for yeah. me to be able to absorb information now. But no, I'm, I, I, I'm not brainy. Um, I'm probably like the dumbest of my family, but um, I, I am curious. And I think if you're not brainy, but you are curious, I think you can overcome a lot of obstacles in your life, you know? And so, I, you know, so, so, but at NYU, that's interesting. There were 34 uh, kids selected for the program and about half the kids got kicked out of school. At that time, if you didn't cut the mustard, they kicked you out of school. Yeah, and you could have been going for a year and a half, and they'd kick you out of a three-year program. So it was it was pretty, it was pretty intense. So basically, you were just fighting for your life, like every day, to stay in school. 
yeah by the way cut you like from the basketball team and such and i and i and i've known being cut from basketball teams and and i never liked it so there was always a, a huge incentive <clears throat> to like try harder to be better you know to do more you know to take greater risk yeah so so that school was really good at preparing me for pressure you know which was something that I was not great at so that was a really good thing for me is that they really really you know they provided a lot of pressure to perform and that was that was hard that was hard that was really hard yeah they 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 kind of change your dna you know going in mm. you kind of go in as this actor and you think you got everything going on and then you get there and they say no you can't do that anymore you got to you got to you got to invent something else and so then you have to like take a good look in the mirror and you have to like you know take risks and and have courage you know for the first time in your life and so that's a hard thing and that's and that's the thing i'd say to any actor you have to have really really a lot of courage and you have to take great risk and that's what i guess that's with any role you know and that's kind of like the high bar that you kind of have to set for yourself so if you're not doing that then you're really not doing a great job you know so yeah, acting is amazing. It's like I get up every morning and this hasn't changed. Really. I really enjoy getting up because I know there's something out there for me to do, that every role is different and everything I, I do is going to be a new experience. Every person I meet is going to be new. And so it's kind of a it's kind of a really, really fascinating thing to do. It's there's like there's a lot of newness. So nothing is nothing is the same. You know? Yeah. So people who work every day at the same job, you know, I don't have that. You know, so, yeah, so it's, it's a lot different, you know, and, it, and, and so with that comes different pressures too, you know, so um, I don't know, it's a trade-off, you know, yeah. it's a trade-off. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but by the way, at the end of, uh, for the outro, I will do a David Tennant and call you my master. <laughs> how many, how many times in life do you actually get to call someone master? Uh, Not very often, uh, is it? Well, now, well, I've done that a few times in a couple of shows, actually. <laughs> when I'm not, when I'm not being killed by like a giant squid, you know, and calling someone my master, you know, yeah, and I, yeah, you do that, I guess, you know, and but you get paid a lot of money, and yeah, you so, do. and you play the role, you know, the guy is my master, you know, so. <laughs> yep, and I say you meant you mentioned the stuff you've done. There is, it's actually quite an impressive resume for you say so myself. You've been in JAG, which I am a bit, I'm a bit of a fan of, but obviously that just kind of went from JAG to NCIS, which I am a big fan of. Uh, there was ER, Dead Zone, Stargate SG-1, Bionic Woman, not the movie, but the one, the uh, TV one with Michelle Ryan, that yeah. and Katie Sackhoff. Oh, I yeah. really wanted that to, I really wanted that to go. She well. was very, very nice and sweet and just really, just, just beautiful. Yeah, I was... Yeah, she was very, very impressive. I, I, I liked I liked that show and I liked her, I liked working with her. Yeah, that was a that was a really, really great experience. I thought that show was gonna go on and do more. I did. You know, I actually I actually enjoyed it. I know a lot of people will probably uh scave me in the comments for it, but I actually generally did enjoy it. But as far as you go, you have actually uh, joined a fair few who have actually been in uh, the Arrowverse. Uh, you've been in Tomorrowland, the TV series of Minority Report, Altered Carbon, again, another one who's been in Altered Carbon. 
We're good, Doctor. And speaking of Arrowverse, Legends of Tomorrow, and you are in the current season of Van Helsing. Sorry to box put on you, but I will try and get that impression down one day. One day I will get it. I will get it right. So quite a stacked CV for you. So for you, what is what is your career highlights? Well, my career highlights, one, well, I hope people remember the show ER. Oh, yeah, who yeah. doesn't? I think everyone who grew up in the 90s and noughties knows who that is. <laughs> but if you no. say that to, like, an 18, 20-year-old, say, do you, remember, do you know what ER is? They'll just say, well, yeah, it's an emergency room. And yeah, like, well, I know what it stands for, but did you watch it? They'd be like, no. Yeah, that was a career highlight. Doing the show ER was a career highlight. And uh, I, did a, I did a really little, little tiny movie that went to Sundance about maybe 15, 17 years ago. And it was, uh, it was called Relax, It's Just Sex. And it, starred, it starred Jennifer Tilly. And oh, yes, she, I know, I know Miss Tilly's work. Yeah, so she played, we played Boyfriend and Girlfriend in that. And that was probably one of my career highlights, playing in that film with her. And the movie itself was pretty, pretty fantastic. Um, it, it's kind of considered like the gay big chill. Uh, you know, people don't even remember who the what the big chill was anymore. But it was, um, you know, it was like LB, LGBTQ themes, and I think it's like, I think it's in some kind of historic like um, uh, movie database something. I, I don't know, but it's a, it's a, it was an amazing experience, and so that was probably one of my one of my biggest career highlights. And so career highlights are like years in between, you know? Wow. And then so now I'd say like the stuff that I'm doing now has been fantastic. Like the Ben Helsings and then, you know, the stuff that I'm doing now, the, you know, it's like your career goes up and down and all of a sudden you just think you're, you just think you're dead in the water and all of a sudden you get a phone call and your life can change. And that's the crazy craziness about this business. You know, your, your life literally can change by a phone call. Yeah. Come, yeah. yeah. I will ask this because obviously you started in JAG and JAG spawned into NCIS. Would you yeah. actually love to do NCIS at one point? Oh yeah, man, of course. Yeah, yeah. I remember that JAG episode in that I had to, I had to witness this huge explosion and it didn't, I, it, there was no, you know, I just had to be by it and watch it as a soldier. And they and they exploded. Then they exploded the bomb, and it was so it was so huge that it like knocked me down. And you could actually like feel the heat of this of this bomb going off. And so when you see those huge explosions, oftentimes you know the actor doesn't know how big they're going to be, and you're like close to those things, you know. And I just remembered feeling the heat of that bomb, and just it was just enormous, you know. So. So movies and TV is it's can, can be kind of dangerous, you know. Yeah, especially if you do your own stunts and stuff. But, um, well, it would be no fun if it was just easy, wouldn't it? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> now, there is really the only blot on that CV is uh, Alien v Predator Requiem. <laughs> but to be fair, I think that. Most the, the two movies in that franchise as a whole were kind of like disappointing, to be fair. Yeah. Every, I think everyone wanted like a really massive James Cameron style movie, and all we got was something that was probably should have been even better than Resident Evil, but didn't. So, 
So this is your first person I've well, actually your second person I've actually had to ask this. The other person was Lily Wetsu. She's the one who is in the maternity ward, and then all the all the other uh, pregnant females have given birth to aliens from the pred aliens. So, how was filming AVP Requiem for you? I had a small role. I played like a teacher in a in a classroom with yeah. with kids and stuff. So it was a, it was a small role. But the thing that I, I remember about that uh about that was that somebody actually like stole the costume of the alien <laughs> and well they wouldn't have gone very far would they because i bet those costumes weighed to and, the and they put it on ebay and so would... of course all you got to do is like go on ebay and then you know you got the costume of you know alien versus predator you know being sold on ebay for however thousands of dollars and so that person got that person got caught pretty fast yeah you know? Now, if it was like um, James Cameron's Aliens or Ridley Scott's one, it would have fetched the fortune. But I think with AVP Requiem, I mean, I do actually kind of like those two movies to a point because obviously, big fan of Berta, big fan of Aliens. And yeah. in this case, of they should it should have been brilliant, but a lot of people said it wasn't. I was, I was all right with it, but it was sort of like some. I actually have both DVDs in my collection, by the way, but. It's not something that those two movies aren't one that's like I'd watch every single day. Like everyone would watch Alien every day of the week. They'd watch Aliens every day of the week. They wouldn't watch Alien 3 every day of the week. Yeah. They definitely wouldn't watch Resurrection every day of the week. And yeah. they wouldn't watch those two, but they would watch. Uh, no, actually, I don't know if they would watch Prometheus, actually. Prometheus, After. you probably watch every, every three weeks. Yeah. I think what really peed everyone off, me in particular, is. When Ridley Scott said it's not an alien movie, and then you find out at the end that it is actually an alien movie. That's all right. J.J. Abrams was uh, guilty of, uh, I think it was J.J. Abrams, was guilty of that in Star Trek, the second uh, one of his movies, where he says, oh, yeah, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch isn't playing Carnoonian Singh. So you get to watch it, and he's playing Carnoonian Singh, and we're like, you lied to us. Why are you lying to us? We know who he's playing. Yeah, I hear you, man. Like alien, like I, I could watch it every single day. Yeah, I mean, I could fall asleep to that, to be honest. That's like, if I want to go, if I'm going to bed at night, I'll just put alien on and just watch it till I fall asleep. Yeah, know? if I actually uh, have time, I do actually like to watch Gladiator. That one too. Yeah. yeah I like true. to watch the, op I like to watch the opening. I like to watch the opening of Gladiator when they're preparing for battle. Yeah. Um, against uh, that, the horde, the, I guess, I guess they're German hordes or the something. Horde of Germania. Yeah, and you know, you just see the mechanized army of Rome, and just sort of how you know together they were, and it was just it was beautiful. And the filmmaking is gorgeous, you know. And so I just I just love that opening scene. And Hans Zimmer's music is absolutely splendid. Yeah, it's 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 astonishing. Yeah, it really is. It's just so beautiful, you know. Yeah, yeah war is so terrible, but you know the filmmaker kind of makes it. You know, into some kind of allegory, you know, and um, it's just not about violence. It's about something else. You know? it is. <clears throat> so enough from the past. Let's move on to the present. This year, 2021, you have um, ATAC, which is a short movie and is obviously in post-production, I believe. And you, yeah. like I said, you are scheduled to appear in the latest seasons of Van Helsing and Legends of Tomorrow. So how was it filming those three? And... Who exactly are you playing in Van Helsing and Legends of Tomorrow? 
Well, I know who you're playing, but everyone else doesn't. Well, in Van Helsing, I'm playing a character called Biggs. And I'm not sure how much I can talk about it, but Biggs is kind of like a, a member of a, of a motorcycle gang who kind of is a soldier on the, the side of righteousness and, yeah. you know, good. And, and in um, Legends of Tomorrow, I play Fidel Castro, funny enough. And uh, that was, that was just, that was a career highlight, I think, playing Fidel Castro on, on Legends of Tomorrow. That was a career highlight, definitely. That was like, I was just out of my mind because I was so worked up about playing him and just prepared to play him and just what it took to get into it. And, and what they had me do was just so funny and so much fun, you know, and so, you know, irreverent that I just, you know, I just, it was like a moth to a flame, yeah. you know, I had to get to it, you know, and everything about that experience was just like, it, it, you know, I, it, it was just unbelievable. It's like pure adrenaline for like 15 hours, you know, and, and, and you rarely get that from a role. But that one took that kind of energy and just sort of verve, you know, passion. You know, it was it was great fun. The, the, the women who helped me with my beard and my hair and that thing. And uh, they were so they you know, when you do those roles, you get help, you know, so it's not just you. It's the people who put on your prosthetics and who put on your makeup and all that stuff in your costumes. They really do add that layer of confidence that, yeah. that gives you the, 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 the yes to go for it. And, and they're so supportive, the women and men who, you know, do that to you. And they're really, they, they, they get you going, you know, they, they were, they're like, they're fans and they really want you to do a good job. And so it's, it, it, it's great to have that sort of relationship when you start work and, and cause it, cause it helps you build your role and, and to be confident you know, to, to fulfill the character, the way it's written and the way it should be done. So it's kind of like a team effort when you act. I'm not sure if anybody like says that too much, but, but yeah, it's, it's kind of lonely, you know? So you kind of want help. <laughs> yeah. some, I think near enough, everyone says that on a, on a set, whether it be movie or TV, everyone's near enough, treat, everyone is treated like family. There's not, I don't think I've ever had anyone that has said that they have not enjoyed being on a set of any kind, really. I suppose there will be probably one person down the line who has said that, but no, no one's ever said it. Well, being on a set, being on a set is, you know, it's, it, it is difficult because it's like uh, there, you know, you have the star and then you have like, the mid-level player, and then you have your day player, then your director and stuff. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of of a dance that goes on, and it's very you know you have to be aware of yourself all day long. And so there's not a lot of relaxation time unless you know you're in your trailer and you can just relax there. But if you're on set and you're in the green room, you're just you got to be you know you're it's it's the politic, you know, you gotta be, it's like the first day of school, in other words, you know, you don't know anybody and you're kind of shy, you're just kind of hanging out and you're just trying to make friends and it's kind of hard to do because you're the new person. And so you, you generally just, you know, keep your mouth shut and, you know, try to, try to conserve energy, yeah. make sure you get water, make sure you get food, make sure you, you know, you got your lines 
and make sure you got it together and make sure you don't you don't screw up yeah. you know and Van Helsing and Legends are, are, I think they're out now, but they are out in the US and Canada, but we have, I think that it's out on Netflix here, but as far as England and the rest of the UK goes, we have not had anything from the latest season of our verses yet. So mm. I'm still waiting on the news when they'll be coming back. So I will see you at some point, sir, but just not yet. Okay, that'll be great. I'll be Did I have a little gladiator line I put in there? What's that again? Did I have a little gladiator line I put in there? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Gladiator. <laughs> oh, I've wanted to do that in interview since I started this out and I finally got a chance to do it. Um, it is actually funny because you've actually, because you're playing Fidel Castro Legends, but you also have performed the one-man show called An Evening with Fidel and My Mother, The Radical, in New York City, which is obviously yeah. like Fidel Castro. Yeah. Uh, firstly, how much did doing that get you into character? for the character that you're performing in Legends. And uh, please talk me through that one-man show. I mean, how is it even possible to do a one-man show? Oh, it's, it's, it's not possible, but you do it. And before you begin it, you're throwing up, you know, in the bathroom saying, what the hell am I doing this for? This is crazy, never do this again. You know, so it, it is impossible, but you, you, you do it, I don't know. You know, but uh, that that playing that role uh, helped enormously uh, doing uh, the Legends of Tomorrow. If if I hadn't done that role, I probably wouldn't have been able to play the role like I did. Yeah. And before that, I'd written a, a full length play about the Cuban Revolution that uh, that I'm doing now. I'm going to have a reading of it in New York in August at NYU Graduate Acting Program. And so I have been sort of studying Fidel, studying the character for years and years and years. And so it just kind of like the universe kind of came together. And usually when you do play historical characters, you wanna do a lot of research, but I had done like an enormous amount of research on him. And so I felt that I was comfortable in his shoes. And, but if I hadn't, I probably wouldn't have been able to play the character because the guy is just so enormous. It's like, it's like Hamlet, or King Lear, or, you know, all any like Shakespearean, you know, huge character. Uh, so the fact that I played at New York um, really helped a lot. So yeah, it was, that was key. So I was lucky. I was really lucky. Yeah, you know, also, obviously, you do do other stuff. I mean, you've also written a full length play called Hell, I believe, and you've also wrote yeah. three screenplays. So as far as screenplay goes, how does the whole process work? As in, uh, do you just think of it off the top of your head or do you like look at stuff you see in real life and think, yeah, I could make a movie out of that? I think it's different. I think every time it's different, how you get an idea, you know? And so you can't just hold on to like a single way of doing something. And so usually for me, what happens is, is you know, uh, something just like I'll, I'll be sleeping and all of a sudden, boom, I get an idea in the morning or I'll see something and it sparks something. And so from those little sparks, you kind of germinate an idea. And usually your ideas come from the self, for me at least. And so it always has to come about, come about to me. So it might be, it might be about Fidel Castro, but, it, but, yeah. it, but in reality, it's about me and that's how I can write it. But certainly every, everything you do is kind of different. So there's really no one way or even like one way to write something. You know, yeah. so every time you write something, it's kind of different. And 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 what I want to do is I kind of want to re I kind of want to reinvent the wheel every time I start a project, 
So I don't want to do something that I've done before or even sound like I've done before. So um, yeah, so that's kind of how I like to do stuff. That's how I like to, to create, you okay. know, I don't, yeah. I yeah. kind of, I'm a little bit, I'm sort of, I wouldn't say I'm a screenwriter, but I do actually have uh, ideas that I sort of think would make a good movie. So I can't, I know it's not really screenwriting as such, because obviously you'd have to do everything. You'd have to say, right, well, I've got to do this and the other. But I actually do have some very good ideas. So I'm kind of starting my way there, if you like. Oh, it's terrific. I mean, you just got to like sit down in the chair and you just start and you just go. You just got to do it, you know? Yep. I've, I, I do. I have actually physically started some of the ideas. It's just, there's never enough hours in the day to actually do them. Yeah. There's never enough hours in the day. Yeah, you have to really, really carve out time. Yeah. And, and, and for me, I usually like to go around three hours. And so, you know, it is hard to find three hours sometimes in your day, you know, because it's like an hour is not enough. Two hours, you're just starting to get going. And by, by two and a half hours, it, everything's starting to come together and you're gelling, you know, and so... And so, yeah, it is try. It is hard to find the time, you know. But if you can, you know, you've got to. And uh, certainly, writing is like one of the biggest satisfactions that I've had, you know, as an adult. Just writing, you know. So, so yeah, I'd say go for it, man. It's fun. Are you? Is your stuff science fiction, or what? Are, what are you into? A little. I'd say nearly. I'd say majority of it is, but there is the odd horror in there. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. That's good stuff. Yeah. How many pages you got right now? Haven't got any. I'm just literally, just literally, I've got no time to do anything just because I'm just so, so busy. So, so just get your outline. Just, just yep. write yourself an outline and just, you know, get your Final Cut Pro and just, you know, just give yourself some time and just start, yep. just start writing. But you obviously got it in your belly, you know, so something wants to come out. So you just got to, you just got to get it out. Yeah. You just got to do it. And all of a sudden you got 15 pages and you're like, whoa, what the, how did I do this? You know, and then you just keep going, you know, yep. and then you got 96 pages and you're like, what? What? Pages, yeah. Yeah. So, so it just, you got to do it, you know, one page at a time. Like if I get one page a day or two pages a day, that's a good day. Yeah. So I will takes, st I'll start doing that now, actually. I'll start yeah, so with you, it. You can't, I mind. you can't like, you can't like go, oh, I'm going to write six pages, you know, it's like one or two, you know what I mean? One or two really good pages. And then yeah. you go back and then you go back and you rewrite it, you know, and that's the fun. And so then you get lost in it, you know, you get lost in your story and, and, and that's kind of what you want, but it, it, it takes a lot, but it, it really is a lot of fun. Yeah. If you got that idea, you got to sit down and you just got to like, you know, there's no way around it. You got to sit in that chair and you just got to like spend time and just get it done. You know, um, I did mention F. Murray Abraham a while yeah. ago. Um, he was actually your first, well, not so much your first professional actor, but you were actually starring opposite him in the Midsummer Night's Dream. And you, apparently you're actually mentioned in his book called Actors on Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah, I was that really... That a shock? Yeah, that was a shock. That was a big shock. Uh, we had a, we had a tremendous... He's my friend. He's like one of my best friends to this day. Uh, and that was like over 30 years ago. And that was my first professional job. And so I was scared out of my wits, you know, to act with him. And he had just won the Academy Award a few years before. So it was like, you know, it's like, shit, I'm just some kid from Fresno, you know. 
And here I am. I'm trying, make, I'm trying to make my way in life, and I'm just suddenly <laughs> a cast up. It's like God figure of acting. How am I ever going to survive yeah, this night? <laughs> and he is. He's a big, you know, he's a big tough guy, you know, and you know he's he's formidable. Uh, but I, I just had an amazing experience with him. We 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 really did bond acting together, and the crazy stuff we had to do together, and there was a real respect uh for each other and the guy the other guys that i did the show with there's about four or five guys that we're still really really close with so that particular show at the public theater is off broadway it was a it was like a i don't know it was a very special touchstone for me and that I, I i maintain these close relationships with these guys and and spending that quality time with each other and that's what happens in a show sometimes you just like you meet people and they just like it it like your brothers, yeah. you know? And so we get together, you know, like to get together once or twice a year if we can, you know, right now I'm in Vancouver and everybody's in New York, but you know, we talk and, you know, we zoom or we do something. And when I go to New York, I visit my, my friends that were in my show. And yeah. so, yeah, but Murray is just, Murray's amazing. Yeah. He's one of the best actors I've, I've acted with on stage. I've acted with I've acted with three guys that really kind of like blew me away. Murray, uh, Morgan Freeman, and a guy named Barton Heyman um, in, in the 80s. And um, those three actors, you know, as a young guy, I'm like 27, 29 years old. Like, I'm just learning, you know, but, but I get the chance to see these men act on stage. And they're like, they're like, you know, they're like gunslingers in a wild west town, you know? And, and so you sort of, sort of uh you sort of see what they do and how they do it and how they kind of like how they comport themselves and how they act and they're very classy and they're gentlemen and you know it's kind of very old school that way and uh they're very serious you know and so uh yeah it was quite it was quite an education acting with you know older guys they're the great teachers so that's when you're a young actor you want to act with you know these you know older people and you just kind of watch them and yeah. you kind of really really gain knowledge from them and you talk to them and you hang out with them and you know you go to lunch with them and you just like you know um i don't know it's just a it's just a being in a being in a being in a show is is awesome a uh, theater show you know yeah it really is i think in recent years i have actually gone to live theater a lot more than i have previous years and i really really wanted to come back yeah i know I know I have a lot of friends in New York who, you know, do Broadway and all that. And everybody's like, just sort of like chomping at the bit to, yeah. to get back. In fact, I've done a lot of Zoom readings with actors in New York, just reading plays, just to keep in shape, just to keep your chops. That's nice. you know? Yeah, that's what you have to do. So if you don't, if you're not doing it, you know, you, you, you tend to get, you tend to lose your chops, you know? So you have to, you have to be in it. You know, and you have to be putting yourself on the line, reading plays and and um, and doing readings and whatnot, and and just like working on the the instrument all the time. So it's never you 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 can never relax in that way. It's almost like I guess being a, a musician, you yeah. know, and that the musician has to practice. You know, um, so 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 actors I think are kind of the same way. And so Zoom online during the pandemic has been just a gift. So. You know, I've read like all of Chekhov's plays this uh, this this past year. I've, I've done that before, but I never got to read all of them, you know, out loud. And so that was 
that was a great teacher and that was a great experience. And just hearing other actors of New York City act, it was just, you know, it's, it's incredible, right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm a fan of these people. So it's like, I get to hear them. I get to hear them act, you know? Yeah, uh, just keep on the subject of Midsummer Night's Dream. Weren't you cast by Joe Papp in that? Joe Papp, wow. Goodness, he was probably one of the one of the giants in New York, uh, theater producer, director, and um, well, he gave me my first job. And you don't get a job at the public theater, New York Shakespeare Festival, without Joe Papp saying yes. You know, we want him, and so you know that was that was kind of a. A, a cool thing for me as a young man. And when Joe would watch rehearsals, Joe would never smile. Joe would never do anything. Joe would have a stone face. He really never knew what Joe was thinking. Yeah, and so that was a concentration of, face. That was, that was kind <laughs> of unnerving. You know, he wasn't very tall, but he was very, very, you know, he was like, he was, he was kind of scary, you know, in a, in a good way. Yeah. And, uh, and he would come up to me. His thing was he would come up to me, he'd pat me on the head, and he just took, he'd just say, confidence, Tim. Confidence. Confidence. And so in a way, at that time, he was kind of grooming me to, you know, to, to grow as an actor. Yeah. You know, it's like, like an athlete, I guess. That, you know, you start out and you just sort of, you just have to do it. And you have to gain confidence. The more confidence you get, you know, the more ease you'll have. And so he was a great uh, person to find young actors and develop young mm. actors, you know. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away while I was there. And so... That was a big deal to me too. That was a big, big deal when Joe died. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he was just, he was amazing. Uh, yeah. He was just yeah, incredible. Like old, 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 old time uh, theater uh, producer. Amazing. Yeah. Wasn't it because of Joe Pat that we have a Broadway today? Because didn't everyone want to shut majority of the theaters on Broadway down in the 80s? Well, the 80s was a funny time where there wasn't a lot of, well, there, there, there were great plays at any era, mm. but in the 80s, there were like a lot of really bad musicals and a lot of musicals that have been on for a lot of, long time and theater kind of needed to reinvent itself. And yeah. It, Times Square was kind of pretty dicey place to like hang out. I mean, it was, when you go up to Times Square in the 80s, it was, it was palpable fear. Was know? it almost as bad as Detroit was back in the day? Well, I've never been in Detroit, but but New York Times Square had this menace to it that was that was amazing. Um, it just it, it was just very it, it was kind of scary. Yeah, it was. And now it's completely different than what it was. I mean, I do miss the old times when it was scary a little bit because it had more it had more character and stuff. Yeah, um, but. Uh, and now it's just very commercialized. But in the 80s, yeah, there, there were good plays. There were good straight plays, certainly. Um, but I would say Broadway was suffering from the quality of the musicals at that time. I mean, there were good musicals. There was like Chorus Line and there was like Cats and there was, you know, there, but they were like these big spectacle musicals. Yeah. You know, and I don't know, I just was never... I was just never a fan of all that kind of stuff, you know. I liked um, I liked straight plays, and and straight plays just weren't that popular. Yeah, everyone likes the musical. Yeah, everyone does. Yeah, fortunately, well, fortunately, he's not with us, so unfortunately, me and him can't have this conversation. Which I would actually like, because I actually have looked at his history during the research, and it was actually quite impressive. 
he did actually found find, uh, found Shakespeare in the park, didn't he? Yeah, that was amazing. He did that. That's kind of what got him started. He would just have a little truck and they would go to Central Park and he, he would put on plays. And then from that, they built a theater. And I mean, you look at every major star practically from the 50s, 60s and 70s, and they worked with Joe Papp and Shakespeare yeah. in the Park. You know, and so it was, and, and it is still a big deal, and it's so quite an honor to do it. I did it one, I did it one year. I did, uh, I did it with uh, with Morgan Freeman and your own Tracy Ullman. That's and, a name I've not heard in a while, Tracy Ullman. Yeah, I did a play with Tracy Ullman, and um, who else it was? I can't even remember. Uh, but 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 yeah, I did Shakespeare in the Park. And so when you when you act outside in New York in a park, and there's like planes going overhead, and there's like thunder showers, and the elements are there, and yeah, there's there's just nothing like it to be in the middle of New York, acting in a play. It's just outside, it, you know. It's 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 indescribable, you know. It's so much fun, yeah. So it's still that going up. So it's in its seventy really second year. So 71st year, it'll be a 72nd year next year. So yeah, it's unbelievable. And now the artistic director, his name is Oscar Eustace, um, who I've worked with. I've done three plays with Oscar, and he is just an amazing guy. Brilliant, brilliant guy, just you know, a genius, you know. And so um, yeah, they they're they're doing well. You know, they just did Hamilton. Hamilton came out of um that that theater. And yeah. so you know, uh, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty amazing cultural place and it, just being in that being in being in the uh, in the theater itself there's five theaters in the in in you know in their complex yeah and, and at one time there's like five plays going on you have like al pacino downstairs and robert de niro over there and you know all these and martin sheen doing something over here and you're in the elevator with whoever and it's just you know and they're all doing theater you know so yeah. it's kind of funny and kind of cool and and sometimes you can sneak into somebody's show and watch them and just sort of like hang out and kind of be a fly on the wall and yeah. just, you know it was a really really great time to just sort of soak in you know all these all these actors and what they do and you know Christopher Walken and and all these people who worked there you know with Joe you know yeah yeah it was you know historic watching these guys yeah <laughs> And they're all like, they're all like gunslingers, you know, they're all like, they're all like cowboy gunslingers. Yeah, they're yeah. very like, you know, ser they're serious dudes. <laughs> you have actually mentioned Morgan Freeman quite a bit. Um, what is Morgan Freeman actually like? Aside from the man we want He was to, very, very quiet. I was going to say, aside from the man we want to literally illustrate our lives to an audience. <laughs> well... When he played, uh, he played Petruchio, which is usually played by a younger man. And um, so I, I imagine he was trying to conserve his energy because it took a lot of energy to, to play that role because it was very, yeah. very physical. He was very, very quiet and very reserved and very thoughtful and was always watching and was always very respectful. And he was kind of like the leader of the company and and he led by example so he wouldn't really say a lot but you didn't you didn't fuck around a, a lot around him you 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 knew you know it, it was like being with a general <laughs> and you know and so and so uh, you're very respectful of him and um yeah he just watching him was like he's like a ballerina you know he's 
he moves so beautifully on stage, you know, seeing him, I used to, I used to go down into the theater and, and you know, I could see it from the, you know, the, the entrances from uh, downstage and watch him every night. And I just to see him walk across stage, you know, just to watch that man walk across stage wearing a cowboy hat and a six gun, you know, cause we did it in the wild west. We did Taming the Shoe in the Wild West, and so he was a cowboy. And just to see him in his boots and his spurs walking across the stage, he was just like, oh, my God. I was like, you know, it was it was incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which has never been described to me before, Morgan Freeman in cowboy boots and with a, with a six-shooter. He was formidable. He was formidable. Yeah. We don't really get to see him now wearing suits and everything. Like, we don't really get him get to now, see him he, and see anything. No, he's got this huge range that nobody gets to see. That's very physical, or that was. I mean, he's older now, but no, he was a he was like a virile, passionate, um, physical actor, you know, and, and that was large on stage, and and not like this kind of quiet sort of business like person. No, he was. He, he he had more volatility than that, you know? So yeah, you'd be surprised to see him. Uh, it's funny how actors kind of have to like calm down in certain roles and, you know, not calm down in others, but, yeah. and so kind of the roles that he's seeing. And certainly when you get older, you can't be as physical as you were because you just can't, you know, it's just, it's, you're on that set for 18 hours and it's like, you know, you really got to like watch it when you move, when you start getting older. And I certainly kind of feel that now. Half, most of my time is spent on like, how am I going to get through this? Making sure I got water, making sure I got food, making sure, you know, I'm sitting down, making sure, you know, I, I can rest and relax between the stuff. Cause it's, 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 you know, you're on concrete and it's not comfortable. And so you really have to, you know, you have to like, you have to find a way to, to look fresh and be fresh, you know? And so that's always, so when you're younger, you don't have to think about those things, but when you get older, you really do, you know, cause it really does affect your performance. If you're, if you're tired and if you're creaky, you yeah. know? Uh, what was I oh yes. Um, you have worked a lot in, uh, in theater in America. Now, would you ever like to do something in London's West End, obviously in an ideal world? Because obviously at the minute, it's not really ideal, is it? Listen, that would be my dream. My dream would be to, to produce my play in the, my, produce my play about Fidel Castro, L in the West End. That would be my dream. Now there um, is a lot, there's a lot of theaters in the West End. Where would you, where would be the ideal setting? Well, you know, I'm from New York, so I don't know the English, uh, you know, theater scene as well. Yeah. Uh, just trying to think. Um, I think Shaftesbury Avenue probably would be the best place because that's where a lot of like the main ones are. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a Harry Potter musical actually on that street. <laughs> that's I think wonderful. it's Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, I think it is. I think it's supposed to be a continuation of the Harry Potter saga. You know, I'm not for... a Harry Potter fan, so I have shown I don't really want to go and see it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of miss the Harry Potter thing myself a little bit, you know. But for 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 an American actor, acting in acting in England, London is like the tops. It's like it's like it's like Broadway in New York. You know, it's that big or bigger because it's like that's the birthplace of, you know, of the culture of theater, you know, for us, at least, you know. And so to to do that over there would be like, you know, an enormous 
um, event, you know, for for me or anyone um, to do it, you know. So so it, theater is kind of like church, you know. It's like a religion, you know. And so it's like you know, for some religions you got Rome, and for others you got you know Utah with the Mormons. But but for actors, it's like London and New York. That's where the churches are, you know. And so for us to perform there is, you know, it's like. And, and, and the show only lasts like maybe two to six months. And so it's not going to be for that long, but you just, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a real high to do it. You know, it really is. Um, yeah, that's a dream. Hopefully in the next couple of years, when everything's back to normal, the dream will be realized. So. Yeah. And I got two tickets for you front seat. Oh, bless you, mate. Would you like me to review it as well? What's that? Would you like me to review it as well? Of course. Yeah, bless you. Well, the, the, offers, the offer is always there. And no doubt at some point, your wish and my wish will be granted. So uh, <laughs> well, we can only hope in this day and age. Um, just, we're about, we're about, we're near enough done. So have you got anything coming up that you'd like to talk about that we haven't talked about yet or anything you'd like to personally promote? I'm doing this crazy, crazy movie called Doomsday Mom on Lifetime. And I'm playing this really wonderful role of this detective who solves, you know, who solves a murder, basically. Hmm. And um, it's about, it's a true story about um, a mom who, who, who killed her two children and possibly two of her husbands, maybe her brother and other people um all in the guise of her sort of like i guess it's this doomsday prophecy that's coming and so uh, reading the script was like i can't believe this story you know and 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 um it, it's just the craziest story but it was uh, it was a great project to 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 be involved with, and the role was you know another. It was a high point in my career. One of the high points this role was. It was so much. It was so satisfying. So that's kind of a role that I'm, uh, or something that's coming up. I think it's coming up pretty soon in June, June twenty fifth, maybe on Lifetime, I think. Um, but um, yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. The story. That, that's right up my street, Ben. I once saw someone that. Uh... I once watched a horror movie called Saw 3 and uh, I actually saw somebody's ribcage coming out while I was eating margaritas. <laughs> well, this is more meta metaphysical than that, but yeah. Yeah, I'm still you. for it, mate. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I couldn't watch the Saws. That was my cutoff point. Oh, I, I love them. I actually have. <laughs> I think aside from the sort of rebooted one and the one that's just come out, I actually have them all on DVD. Man. You're a scientist. I would, to be fair, there is actually a lot of people who obviously watch more than I do, have more in the collections than I do, but I just kind of bought anything that I really liked. I mean, I actually have the Alien Quadrilogy on the original DVD. Wow. What can wow. I say? James Cameron. And I've got... Uh, hold on, how many Terminators have I got? I have got one, two, and three, and four. I have not got Genesis, but no offence. As much as I love Amelia Clark, and I do love Amelia Clark. I don't want that in my collection. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know why I have Terminator Salvation in my collection. Probably because it's Christian Bale. 
Yeah, I love Christian Bale and I love all the Terminators too, man. That's like my that's like my era, you know. I was yeah. a condition of T two as well. Uh, oh, you're a you're an aficionado, man. I do, yeah. I do, I love my Terminators. Uh, yeah, I love speaking, them too. Oh yes, very lastly, um, have you got any social media where people couldn't follow you if you're interested? By the way, I have my Instagram and Twitter ready, so. Gosh, no, you know, I so. don't. This is a whole new world to me. And so I still have to like get that kind of stuff going where people can follow and do things. So this is a whole new, like, like I'm just learning about this whole social media thing and sort of getting acquainted with it and what it is. And, yeah. And, whatnot. and so it's like something that I have to like, I have to figure out how to do. And, and so that's kind of like the next thing on my, on my actor list. Like so much of acting now is like not just acting, but, ha- but it's also promoting yourself and also like social media. And so that's a whole new thing to me. That's something that's never taught in schools, you know? And that should um, be, yeah, I think they should because it's like, it's business, you know? And, and it's, it, you have to, you have to know how to do it. So yeah. that's, that's, that's the next thing I'm doing right now and so of the many things that are the many projects that i have that i have going you know you always have to have something going man you can't just like you know let the grass grow under your feet you know yeah, indeed indeed ready and now it is time for the final cup quiz of 2021 so are you ready tim yep let's go yeah. Right, so this is what I always do. I always say to the guest, you have four missed calls, but you can only call one, text one, ignore one, or block one. And the choice is, I actually think, it's to do with streaming, so it's not that hard. It's not really that hard, but it's just a case of what your preference is. So, Tim Perez, the envy of anyone who hasn't done anything with Morgan Freeman, your choices for four missed calls are producers from Disney+, Plus, Paramount, Amazon Prime and Netflix. So you have four producers from each of those shows, each of those uh, streaming services. It can be any show, doesn't matter what it is. And you have to decide who you would call back, who you would text back, who you would ignore, and who you would. Oh, shit. Okay, sure. If you're in an ideal world, so there's no pressure. Well, I'm calling everybody back. But (laughs) I would say I'm calling everybody back very fast. Everybody's going to get a call back. Nobody's going to get blocked. But I would go with like, I think I'd go with Netflix as my first uh, go to. Your Netflix would be. All right, then we'll say that's the one you call back. Yeah. So who would you text back? Text back. Honest to God, you don't text anybody back. You call them back. So there'll be no texting, no nothing. No, you'd call them back, all of them. You call all of them back. Yes, fast. I'm, I'm assuming I'm not going to change your mind on that, am I? No. Right. That's no, actually, I'm, a, that's... I'm, a, I'm an old dog. I'm a, I'm a very old dog. And, 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 well, if I had their personal number, it'd be fun to text them, certainly. Yeah. You know? Because that's like a little personal. Nobody likes talking on the phone anymore. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I, I prefer. I must admit, I've always been a texter or an emailer. I've never. Yeah, been. I, I prefer to. I prefer to. You know, I prefer texting myself. You know, because it's it's just easier to do, and yeah. I don't know. It saves a lot of time, and I don't know. I just like it, right? Yeah. That's fair. So right. let's say let's say I let's say I would text them all back right away. All right, then let me we'll say that just the, <laughs> just the one occasion I will allow this. 
I would definitely allow this just for you, sir, because you've been an absolute hoot today. All right, then. Um, this is actually going to be a bit difficult, and I oh, will not hold, yeah, I'll not hold it against you. Um, is there anything you wish you hadn't done for any reason? In acting? Yeah. So any, so say any role that you had got that you literally did that you wish you hadn't got for. Does yeah. Have, don't have to save. Don't have to save a reason. Uh, I did. I did. Um, Ocean's, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. And I had a bad toothache. Ooh. And I needed to. And I needed money to. You know. To go to dentist. And so I got this role of a, a little security guard and, and I didn't really want to play a security guard at that, at that point in my career, I kind of wanted, you know, a better role, but you know, it is Ocean's Eleven and you are going to be acting with George Clooney and Brad Pitt. So that's a big deal, but the role was not like, you know, it's not like it wasn't a sexy role or was going to further my career. And, you know, I play like the dumpy, the dumpy security guard. Yeah. So so that's kind of a role that I kind of, you know, I, I kind of wish I, you know, I, I didn't want to do. Um, and I'm sure there are others that I'm freaking so embarrassed about, but I probably like, you know, I can't remember them because I'm so, I'm so horrified with what I did. But that was one that, you know, I really didn't want to do it, but I did it. I did it. And so there you are. It's there forever. That's fair yeah. enough, friend. Uh, and the last question, um, you have obviously starred with some of the biggest names in movies and TV. I, you've said Morgan Morgan Freeman and F. Murray Abraham. Do I really need to say anything else on that subject? But there is still a lot you haven't worked with yet. So, Mr. Perez, can you name me 10 or 20 actors, actresses or directors that you haven't done it, worked with yet that you would like to work with before you eventually give up acting? Oh my God, what a question. I know. God. Well, I'll tell you, um, Al Pacino is one, right? Yep. And, uh, but the thing is, but look, there's a story behind that. Okay. I was in a movie with Al Pacino and okay. I was supposed to be the, his cab driver. And I was like, so happy. I finally get to act with Al Pacino. On the day I was to do the scene, Al didn't show up for whatever oh. reason, the big star. And so... I, so they did the scene, but they did it on different days. And so they did the front of the taxi on one day and they did the back of the taxi with Al on another day. So I never got to act with Al Pacino. No. It was kind of like, that was kind of a, a huge disappointment. So Al Pacino would probably be, you know, Al Pacino, De Niro, um, certainly um, John Cassell, but he's, he's dead. <laughs> so, you, can have, you can have live, you can have the ones that are with us if you want. Meryl Streep. Uh, and again, all by one person has mentioned Meryl Streep in their 10 to 20. Okay, so let's see. God, actors I want to act with. Tom Hardy, you have mentioned Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. So Tom Hardy, I'd love to. I'd love to act with Tom Hardy. Jay Gyllenhaal is very good. Um, yeah, now you're really, you're, this is difficult. And uh, so Charlize Theron is amazing. Um Reeves? John John Leguizamo. Oh, that's a name and a half. Yeah, I want to act with John. I miss uh, I miss John Leguizamo. You know. Yeah, he was. Uh, we used to hang out a lot together in New York back in the back in the early days, and uh, he's a great guy. Brilliant, brilliant guy. 
one of the smartest guys I ever met is John. John was the one who encouraged me to start writing. And so, and so that was a great deal. So John's one. I like, uh, oh my God, you are just awful. You're an awful person. Why, how could you do this to me? I do it to everyone. I All I do to, is think about me. <laughs> I prefer to think of it as a bit of fun, but it also um, gets the old creative juices going. Oh my Jesus, you are I know. evil. Evil child. Okay, let's You see. do know I'm actually, I'm approaching my 40s, you know. Yeah, you're a child. Oh, bless you. <laughs> you're a mere I remember baby. last time someone called me that. I don't even, I don't even remember 40. Uh, fuck, man. Shit, what did I watch last night? You mentioned John Voight. John Voight's kind of crazy right now, so I'm, I'm kind of scared of him. Fair enough. You have starred with Helen Hunt. Ooh, Helen. Helen is great. Helen is such a very, very nice person. Yes, Helen Hunt was awesome. Um, Man, shit. Well, let's see. God, name a movie. Uh, just go through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's more than enough there. Well, everybody on those on those shows, you know, I don't even know everybody's name. Honestly, I can't. I can't think of anybody right now. You've you've really, really, you've got me. Wow. Who are you? Uh, an undiscovered talent who has just started making his way up the chain, so to speak. Man, you're brilliant. Actors, because, you know, actors, actors think about themselves, you know? They do. And so, and so it's like the, 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 the idea of you, it's like they get to act with you. Yeah. That's the kind of, that's the kind of attitude you have to have. You kind of have to be like, you kind of have to make yourself like the number one sort of entity and yeah. so it's like and so it's like they get to act with you and you don't think about like acting with them and so you don't go looking for to act with anybody you just like you're just like you know they're they're lucky to be with you also and so yeah. that's kind of how attitude has to be you know so it's like so and then when you get with a big star it's you know you're respectful and you're uh you know you're polite and everything but your approaches, you can't think of them as a big star. You've got to think of them as a character and you got to think of it as your character. And so yeah. that's kind of approach. And so I really don't look up to actors who, who people I, I want to act with because it's just, it's just too much for me to think about. Yeah. All I can be concerned about is like my role, what I want and what I need to do and, and what am I going to do to get it, you know? And so, and so I don't approach like personalities of people or think about them even, you know? So so yeah, that's kind of my approach. And so I like yeah. to keep it very, I like to keep it very, very simple. I mean, I, I can see a movie and I'll see the actors and I, you know, I know a lot of actors and stuff, but I can't, I can't honestly say like, oh God, I want to act with him so bad, you know? No, I just, I just can't have that. I can't have that approach, you know? It's gotta, yeah. be, it's gotta be like, when I see them, they're a gunslinger. And when they see me, I'm a gunslinger. And then we sort of get it on in yeah. the ring, you know? That's kind of my approach. It's not a bad approach, stuff. Would you like me to name my 20? Bearing yeah. in mind that I have a lot that I would like to Yes. All yes. right, then. Uh, Dave Batista, Dwayne Johnson. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Dave Batista, Dwayne Johnson, uh, Vin Diesel, uh, Scarlett Johansson. These are just like any, I'm just randomly coming ahead, into my head now. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, Brie Larson, uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh. Uh, Chris Evans, Robert Daddy Jr. 
Uh, I mean, I'm even faltering at my own question now. Right, uh, where was I? Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, I would love to do something with. Natalie Emmanuel, who plays Ramsey in, Fast Na- in the Fast Saga, I'd love to do something with her. Plus, she actually grew up in uh, acting in one of England's soaps. So being in Soapland is really a good thing, particularly for your future. So with 11 more, I will say Tom Hardy, the one we do yeah. share in common. Chris Nolan, Jonathan Nolan. I know Jonathan's kind of a writer, but with him and Chris, they come as a package. Uh, James Cameron. Uh, I'd love to do something George Lucasy because I mm. do. Act, I love George Lucas. I'm really big fan of all the old Star Wars uh, ones. Mm. Uh, what else is there? Do, now, do I take Paul Paul W S Anderson or not? I'm kind of thinking I don't. <laughs> mm, no, I don't. Take, I don't take him. Sod it. Sod that. <laughs> Uh, right, so directors. I've got five left. Who do I have? Uh, Sir Ridley Scott. I would I would pick Tony Scott if you were still alive. Bless his cotton socks. Uh, I, have a Tony, I have a Tony Scott story. Oh, this is good. I've been waiting for one of these stories. Yeah, so Tony Scott did that submarine movie years and years ago. I forget which uh, one Crimson Tide, yeah. Yeah, so I auditioned for that. And... Um, God, he was such an amazing uh, person. And I was horrible in the audition. I was just, I was bad. I was young. I was probably like, you know, 24, 25 years old. And I was just like, I, did, I haven't figured it out yet. And, and I was having a bad day. And, but he sort of took me through it and was very gentle and talked to me in such a classy kind of like kind way to sort of like, you know, usher me in and usher me out of the room, you know, yeah. without me hearing myself. And so I always thought that he kind of was just so, he was so kind and he was just, you know, he had a big, big heart, big spirit, you know, that he saw an actor in trouble and he didn't, he didn't destroy me. He did something with, about it. It is nice to hear a tale. Yeah, no, he taught me, he taught me, he taught me uh, a lesson. He taught me how to do it. And, you know, and, and that was it, you know, and, um, and I remember that a lot. I remember him and his kindness, you know, and you remember those little, little tiny things about people who are kind in this business. And yeah. I, he was one, of them. you know, he was really, really one of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So good man. That's the first Tony Scott story I've had. Hopefully there will be more to come. And mm-hmm. in his honor, and you have mentioned, we have mentioned Crimson Tide, uh, Denzel Washington. Oh. There is also Gene Hackman on this list. I must admit, I know Gene Hackman doesn't act anymore, but he still starred in a lot when I was growing up. So I cannot really include him online. I cannot exclude him. I've got to name him at least once. And my other one uh, was choice of three. Do I pick John Krasinski, who is in Jack Ryan's, is in Jack Ryan, which is on Amazon Prime? Do I pick his wife, Emily Blunt, who is also British? Or do I pick Emily Emily Blunt's bestie, Anna Kendrick? I'm just thinking. But the only thing is, Anna and Emily are besties, but Emily and John are married. So I don't know which, which one to pick, because either way, Emily Blunt's not going to like the results. It is a problem. That, that is quite a problem to have when you're picking your 20, your 20 people. That's that's huge. Yeah. And that's something you're just going to have to deal with. I know. To be, to be fair, I, I will save the marriage. I'll save the marriage and go with Anna Kendrick for my 20th. <laughs> well, you might not have saved the marriage, so we'll find out. Well, we will find out, Eddie. And on, 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 that, cur- on that curtain call and uh, cliffhanger, ladies and gentlemen, 
Tim, it's been an absolute honour having you on here, and I really, really hope to have you on again sometime. So, so with that, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Tim Perez. Thank you. It's our pleasure. The honour is mine, sir. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.